Ain't no time like the present. Never mind uh, the text that I'm sending you, Chumahan. It's a YouTube link. I sent it on accident because I was gathering them for Sherry. So don't worry about it. I'll be putting them. I'll be sending now, them. Now, I'll be looking at the text you be sending. I'll check off on the text yeah, you're yeah, sending yeah, to yeah. my aunt, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah All right, yeah. I'm going to make sure. I'm the chaperone. <laughs> me, me and his 77-year-old aunt got a thing going. Hey, hey. Take it easy. Take it easy. I'm telling you, man. The more I get to know her, the more I'm attracted to that woman. Listen, I'm not take it easy. Nah, All right. No disrespect, man. Nah. It's you real good. Let's do this. Let's do yeah, but, 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 but you listen. All right. You don't want to bite off more than you can chew, big legs. No, no, no. no. I'm all talking. <laughs> Good morning and welcome to the Hard Luck Show. I'm your certified, qualified West Side host, Steve Lucky Luciano. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, you tuned into the greatest show on earth. It's the Hard Luck Show coming at you from the city of Santa Monica, Pico Youth Center. Sitting across from me, my co-host and my partner, the Mad Indian. Chumahan Bone, American Indian, Southern Californian, elegant barbarian. Coming with another show once again to wake you up. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Let's go. Cowardly Y'all be cowardly That's the shit right there. Sounds good because we got old blue eyes on audio. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. What is that? That's the jam, dog. That's the clash, baby. Uh. Uh. Sean Lewis, certified audio professional engineer for the Hard Show. Yeah. Got Calco in the building. Calco is What's in the up, building. What's up, everybody? Showrunner. Showrunner. Handling it. Got uh, Big Pick Mike. Oh. Big Pick Mike's in the house. Scat Man. I'm the Scat Man. <laughs> Come on, Mike. Hurry up, Come man. Come on, man. Tying your shoe. Hey, man. Let's go. Push and fucking pressure guy, dude. Yeah, I am a pressure guy. Soft. Easy. Got the team here today. Yeah, we do. Listen, ladies and gentlemen. Yo, man, what you need? Man, I've been been wanting to get this dude. I'm talking about L.A. Yeah. History. Music. History. The real one. The real one. Man, handled a lot with the the late Mr. Heller. Right there. Ruthless Records. Fucking Southside Car Club. Come on. South Central. This... This dude is responsible for so much music, L.A. culture. Come on. And it is a honor World culture. To have everything, man. Right. This dude right here. Mr. Pablito, welcome yeah. to the show. Yeah. Come on, come on. Pull that mic towards you, partner. What's going on, everyone? Yeah. Thanks for letting me have you, Lex. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. And uh, he brought on his partner, Slim. Welcome to the show, Slim. Nice to have you Thanks here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Absolutely. A very strong masculine beard on Slim. Yeah. Right? Very dark. No gray yep. in there. Some okay. very okay. good <laughs> Japanese traditional on one arm yeah. only, like Yakuza oh, style. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Pablito moves a certain way. 
You know, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. well, Pablito. I mean, for as accomplished as he is, he's a very kind of humble, very relaxed kind of man, right? There's not a whole bunch of bling or gold or anything. He's just here to do his thing and whatever yeah, that is. Thousand dollar right? watch on, but he's cool, right? Well, don't tell him. The, listen, the Harley T-shirt. Everyone didn't want you know tailing him or whatever to try to find that watch later. <laughs> hey, right? man. And next to me, I mean, I might become second, but he's got the best head of hair. In fucking show business, bro. That is true. Guys, here is perfect. It's like every time I see him. Right? No, exactly. It's it's perfect. The Slim's beard. That's groomed. Groomed. This gentleman showed up. Groomed. Very clean. Yes. I I tell you, Pablito. Um. Now, Pablito, I met you. I met you. I met you years back with Southside. Yeah. Uh, with Esteban. Yeah. Car shows and going out there and um, Big O and different people like that. Yeah. And um and then we got kind of reconnected. Uh, a few years later and kind of been touch and go and, and uh, <clears throat> man, I was trying to describe really who you were to my part to my partner Shumahan, you know, as you came yeah. onto the show and and I was telling him about you. I think Shumahan did some research and homework after I talked yeah. to him a little bit. Yeah. And and really I I think that this part that resonates with me the most and what I was trying to explain to them was kind of where you where you came from and kind of how you made your mark wherever you were and how you were a little bit older than me and i think like me and Esteban, guys like us kind of we looked up you in in like the 90s and stuff you were at a place that we weren't yet you were already making moves and um and you've always been really genuine you've always taken the time to engage talk to me you've always kept it real and from where we come from, I, I know what's up, bro. And uh, I just, you know, you just have a led a, a, a very, very colorful, interesting life, man. And you've accomplished a lot. And, and we come from some similar places, man. And I, I admire you on a lot of levels, man. I like spending bro, time likewise. talking with you, it's bro. Al- and- it's always a pleasure, Lucky. I know, I know you're 100. You've always been 100. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, and, and uh, when my partner, Patrick Hughes, I mentioned you to him, and he even mm-hmm. knew who you were. You know what I mean? Wow! And he was like, "You know what, man? He says, you know, Lux put me in a in a deal with Tommy Hilfiger." <laughs> I was like, "What?" Yeah, yeah. I said, "That's lucky, though." You know what I mean? Lucky's worldwide. You know what I mean? Oh, so, that's true. You know, he, you know, he. Did, hey, that's what he does. Lucky, right here, man. We could, we walk down the street. And people just stop on the road and they're like, Lucky! And then they just, he knows them. Wherever yeah. we go, he knows yeah. somebody. Yeah. Wherever uh-huh. we go. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. real. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to get you on the show and I just, appreciate man, that. I appreciate you yeah, coming no, down, no, man. Like, I know that no, I know that you about some real business and you got a lot going on. So the fact that yeah. you came down here and made time, heading up uh, Foundation Media and yeah. uh, I don't know, Juman, how do you want to go about this with our man? Where do well, we start at? I, you know what? I think the best way to think about this is to first start about, um, because what what was your relationship and or how was it set up with you and NWA and Mr. Heller and how all that worked out? Well, well how I just even got in that whole circle was, was through a rap group by the name of Brownside. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It was a Chicano rap group and... Uh, a cat by the name of Toker. Um, we knew him as Beaver. We were all from South Central Los Angeles, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we all grew up in the city. And, mm-hmm. um, and it was through him, you know what I mean? We were running wild in the streets, him and I. We connected uh, one day, we connected, and I think Easy e was having a, 
a photo shoot for him at 92.3 The Beat for Rap Pages magazine or something. I, I forgot what magazine or what it was. But, um, um, by the way, before you go any further, yeah. we also reconnected through Dino and oh, Carlos De La Torre because wow, wow. they were producing the videos off of Robertson. Oh, wow, yes. That's where right I met Beaver. That's where I met everybody yeah. first. Carlos. Beaver talked very hard. Carlos De La Torre. That came on the show and yes, talked about the Fight the Kings and all that? Him and Dino and Dino's dad. They were all they were working producing right off of Robertson and Pico. Yeah. And that's where we we're producing uh some of their music videos. Yeah. And I had met him back then again. Okay, so I, and rest in peace, Don yeah, Dino, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, for yes. sure, man. Okay. Yes. He, was, he was a good guy, man. Right. So so Easy is doing some kind of photo shoot. Now, now back then. Cause I mean, you saw the movie NWA, correct? Yeah, for all sure. Right. All right. So I'm be interested to ask you a little bit about that. But what was it really like? I mean, what did what is it really like seeing Easy back then and like kind of it's all sort of just growing, nobody knows anything yet? How was it? I mean, Easy was pretty established at that time, you know? So I went and did our thing. I hooked up with Token. At that time, him and Easy were inseparable. Right. I mean, like, uh, you know, they would hang out everywhere. Uh, you know, they would do everything. I mean, we'd be eating dinner with Easy all over town, whether it was. Benihana's or Monty's and you know so I mean it was that this whole experience was just you know something I'll never forget you know what I mean Easy was a real straight up cat yeah you know, and then he was really really down with the with the Chicanos you know what I mean you know him and him and Jerry always said that you know that the Chicanos and the Latin scene and movement was going to be the next big thing you know I mean? right they saw this coming Easy saw everything coming I'm gonna tell you the truth. You know what I mean? You know, Easy had a lot of ideas, like the the, the video game. Mm -hmm. What is it? Grand Theft Auto. Right. Easy had one in the mix. The headphones. Yeah. Easy had headphones coming. Easy all was, before Beats and all that shit. Before all that. Right. Easy was gonna design some rims, some speakers. Yeah. Easy was way ahead of everybody. Visionary. Big time. Visionary. You know I mean? I'll never forget that time that he came out. And I want to say it was um, the Arsenio Hall show. In a robe. In a robe <laughs> without any shoes on. And I'm like, that's a guy that knows how to fucking create some buzz, right? Well, just like when they went and when they bought those two tickets for that dinner at the White House. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. You know, they didn't know it was easy. I'm sure had they known, you know, they would probably find a way not to sell him a ticket. But right. but he just put Eric Wright and, you know, Jerry put his name and they accepted whatever and they went. And, and Easy was like, I guess the dinner was like, I don't know, 12, 1500 a plate or whatever it was. So Jerry, so Easy was, you know, his train of thought was, and it was brilliant. You know, he's like, right. I paid a couple foul to get a million dollars worth of publicity. Right. Yes, bro. Master he marketing. He literally said that. Right. Like, I paid a couple thousand, got a million dollars worth of free publicity out of this. Right. So, Did you watch the halftime show uh, just this last yeah, night? Yeah, I thought it was cool. You know what I mean? It was, yeah. It, it, was, it was dope. You know what I mean? What's it like for you to know um, a lot of the history and be kind of involved in all that stuff well, and then watch something like that? What, what, what do you go through? I what mean, do you think? really, it's like, first and foremost, I was a fan of it all. Sure. You know what I mean? Right. And, you know, 
Jerry and I would just talk days in and days out about those days. Mm-hmm. And I'd get his side of the story, you know what I mean? Right. And, and mm-hmm. what really right. went down, you know what I mean? Because, you know, if Jerry at his age, why would he have a, what would be his reason to candy coat or bullshit me on any of these stories? You know what I mean? He told yeah. him, one thing I love and respect about Jerry, you know, you could have a hour conversation with him, and at least I could say for me. You know yeah. I mean? And there wouldn't be one word of bullshit in it. Right. You know what I mean? You're talking right. to a guy where you know it's going to be about what you're talking about and, you know, and not going to stray off into some other shit or... You know, you I know. read I read uh, something that I think that he actually wrote that was in an in, in interview and he was saying the early days, I think maybe when he, one of the earliest times that he, he met uh, Eazy-E or whatever, he got introduced to him or whatever, he was saying at that time there was a lot of bullshit. He was like, everybody you talk to... They would have a tape, da 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 da, but then you go, okay, can I listen to it? And they wouldn't have it right there or whatever. There was a problem. He said Easy E had it ready to go. Easy didn't say, oh, I got the shit. Yeah, dope. Like he did say Easy, that. He didn't say nothing. Right. He just said, here you go. Easy let the music do the talking. Mm. He was that confident of what he had. You know yeah. What I mean? And it's funny because Lonzo from the World Class Wrecking Crew. Right. Um, he charged Easy, or Easy paid him to meet Jerry. Like when right. that meeting took place, like Easy like reached in his sock and pulled out a big wad, right, and peeled off Lonzo for that for that introduction. I read that, you know. And then once Easy and Jerry clicked, Jerry said the very next day he he fired everybody. I mean, he just you know everybody that he had been working with. He just said, "I'm done. I'm." gonna rock with easy and we're gonna do our thing and you know the history do is- you think the film that came out because it's it's hard to deal with because on a certain level you know the true details behind the scene are one thing and they're the truth and then there's kind of like what's put out there right and it's hard to you know did you feel like the 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 movie portrayed mr heller or jerry heller correctly or even that situation well let's let's put it like this go ahead okay Let's be real. No, no, I, I'm, these are conversations I had with Jerry about this movie. And Let's do it. Before and after and during the whole night. Yeah. Um, honestly, it's like this. You got Dre, you know, and I'm not here to diss nobody or them because, again, I'm a fan of Dre and Cube and everything. Sure. That, I wasn't there for that. And, you know, me and Jerry had our own thing going on. But Dre, Cube, and Easy's wife, um, forget her name right if they don't like you or if they got beef with you or they just you know think you're effed up human being or whatever how do you think they're going to portray you right in this movie right you know what i mean you're going to portray you as a good guy right you know what i mean so you know jerry had a hundred million dollar lawsuit Right. He's sicked on that situation right after it came out. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of it was left out. A lot of key parts and stuff was left out. So I guess if I had to guess or would judge, they put in only what they thought was needed to be put in there type of their situation. Case. You know what I mean? Right. When you're in law, right? I'm an attorney. So when you're in law, what happens is you got two sides. Yeah. Right? Well, there's maybe more than two sides yeah. in real life. Yeah. You go in there, you got one guy goes on and says, listen, let me tell you a story about how I was a victim. And 
I did everything right. This person on this side, whoa. And then the other side says, you heard this story, but let me tell you the truth, right? right. But in this instance, Easy's gone. Mr. Heller's gone. So we can't get another side of it, and well, this is going to prevail. Or, see, or what do you want to say uh, about listen that? Listen to this. You know, and, 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 and nobody knows this story. Nobody. Mm -hmm. And this would have cleared Jerry's name. But when Easy died, uh, his estate sued him. Uh, Easy's estate sued Jerry. Okay. Uh, apparently, for uh, accused him of cooking the books and whatnot. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I'll, I'll never forget Jerry's telling me the story. So Jerry's, he says, uh, she was going through a few lawyers at this time. Right. All right. I think she was maybe on her second or third lawyer. Right. Tamika. Tamika. There you go. Right. So Jerry says, hey, I was, he tells me, I remember like if it was yesterday, he says, yeah, man. So I'm sitting outside of court, you know, when you sit outside of court, he tells me. And I said, yeah. And he goes, and it, these are exact words. And some fat Jew lawyer walks up on me. Mm. And he says, Mr. Heller? He says, yeah, man, what do you want? He says, I just need a couple minutes with you before, you know, we step into court. He said, well, you got to make it fast. We only got six minutes. Mm. Yeah. He goes, um, I just want to let you know that I, I spoke to my client and this, that, and other, and I went through all the discovery. I mean, there's boxes of discovery and whatnot. Right. And um, he told Jerry, um, I let my client know that she doesn't have a leg to stand on, mm. mm -hmm. and I know you, you're going to counter sue us. Is there a way to get a number out of you right now so before we could just save all the BS before we go in there and just get this over with? So Jerry's like, okay. Um, what was your retainer? Two hundred fifty thousand. He goes, okay. I want twenty million in your retainer. If not, I see you in court. We got three minutes left. Mm. Hmm. So Jerry, see, nobody knows because they had to sign NDAs. She signed the NDA. Jerry signed the NDA. Right for the for whatever was twenty the million dollars. Twenty twenty million two hundred fifty thousand. He took the guy's retainer. That's how gangster he was. Right, and he right had been in the business already for a very long time. He was one of the first people to bring Pink Floyd out to John United States. Wow, he, bro! He, he Did managed, you know that? Oh, managed, blue eyes. He, he managed Neil uh, uh, Neil Diamond, Marvin Gaye, and Morrison, <laughs> Sticks, Journey, Aria Speedwagon. I could go on and on and on. That's true. You know what I mean? Wow, I read it. Bro, I read I it. Know that. There's a book yeah. in oh, here. Yeah. There's a book that um, I know he made a book. Go ahead, tell him it's right there. Book. You know what book is that? Big Lux, and then I'll tell you the book that also I'm read that this has is, those details as that's well. That's Jerry's version. That exactly <laughs> went down. <laughs> it's called Salud. Ruthless. Thank Salud. you. It's called Ruthless. Um, Jerry Heller with uh, Gil Reville, and it is this explosive tell-all memoirs <laughs> of the Maverick music mogul with an ear for talent and a talent for controversy. And I'll tell you something Jerry else. <clears throat> I also read um, amongst that book and also an uh, original Gangsters plus this one, NWA, the Aftermath exclusive interviews with Dre, Cube, Heller, Yella, and Westside Connect, da, da, da. Now, this book that I'm reading is a collection of interviews that were actually done. So they're not trying to change anything. And a lot of what Pablito just said is actually in these interviews that they did with Jerry Heller. And he mm -hmm. said all of that. In fact, I think... Not only had he been successful and had been in the music industry, had worked with all those groups, but I also think he 
had success and lost uh, money and had success again a couple oh, of times, course, right? Couple of, I mean, I, you know, Jerry, you know, all his stories are real. Right. Fascinating. I mean, especially like I liked it. My favorite stories out of everybody that he, you know, messed with was the Marvin Gaye stories. Yeah. He managed Marvin Gaye for a while. You know yeah. Mean? A lot of people don't know that Marvin Gaye tried out for the Detroit Lions. Get out of here. Jerry got him in this situation to where he was going to go try for the Detroit Lions, right? Yeah. So, you know, he's on the field doing his thing, and Jerry says he gets the call. He gets a call from the owner of the Detroit Lions and says, Jerry, you know, you know, Marvin's in. You know, we'll give him 500000 We'll give No, he told Jerry, we'll what give you. What position? I think wide receiver, because I guess Marvin was tall, and, and he was fast, you know yeah. what I mean? So I'm, I'm, wow. I, I want to say wide receiver. Right. So what's going on? So Jerry was like, you know, the the, the guy's offering Jerry, look, I'm gonna give you so much, and I'll give you half a million, and give Marvin this, and he's got to do this many games, and and Jerry says, hey man, see that's one thing with Jerry was straight up, you yeah. know what I mean? He was like, hey man, it all sounds nice and everything, but I can't guarantee Marvin to go to one game, right. let alone all these games you want and sign him and do all this other stuff, and that was the end of that. Right. Yeah. Right, but back, but back to the, the situation with that lawsuit. Okay, so me and Tony G, producer Tony G, was a, a partner of mine, and we actually brought Jerry out of retirement in the year two thousand after Easy died, and we formed some Chicano rap labels together. You know, but but anyway, the reason why I'm saying this is because we happen to be at Jerry's house one morning. Jerry calls us over one morning, and we go to his crib, and and we park in front of his crib. We get out, ring the doorbell. Jerry opens the door, his hair's all fucked up. He's got his robe on all, all crooked and everything. He doesn't say shit to us. He walks right by us and goes straight to his mailbox, right? And he opens it up and he pulls out this envelope and he looks at it and he's like, like, kisses it up in the sky. <laughs> so we go back in the house and Jerry had an office upstairs, right? His office was upstairs. So me and Tony walk up there and walk up, sit down and... And he's like, guys, you know, Pablito, Tony, you guys are like my sons. He says, I'm going to show you something, but promise, you know, you know, you keep this under the hat. You know? Right. Shh. There's only us here. So exactly, tell right? Us here. <laughs> so he opened it up, and it was the first payment of the lawsuit that he won from Tamika. It was $3 million. Wow. He said, look at this check. I said, fuck, Jerry. You know, I just seen you pull out that out of the fucking mailbox right now. <laughs> you get checks like that in the mail. All you gotta do is wake up, man. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, 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 yeah. So, so that would have cleared that would have cleared Jerry's name right there. Are right. you a lawyer, right? Yeah. Wouldn't have had not. It would have cleared his name, but you know, I, you know, if we're gonna be real about it, right? Yeah. Absolutely, would have cleared his name, and also, to a certain extent. You know, between, and we could take it, let's take it out of music, let's just say, right? Yeah. Just to keep all the, everybody, and yeah. anybody doesn't like what's being said here, Chumahan Bowen, Pablito and Slim are gentlemen, <laughs> they're doing the right thing, so just come at me, bro, because right? I'm already accepted I ain't ever going to be liked in this world. <laughs> I got to fight for everything I get. <laughs> but the point of the matter is, is, right, between the business end of any art form, studios of the movies or whatever and then the actors on down the line and everybody else the writers everybody who's the piece and people don't really realize just how big of a collaboration music really is mm -hmm. so uh and some people are smarter than others some people are educated 
Some people are, you know, a little bit desperate, you know. And, and so you make whatever deals you make. It's the deals you make. Bingo. Right? It's the deals you make. 100%. And then you want to make villains or not, or you want to make heroes or not on the other side of it. And, you know, for the average person, they don't, they don't go into it all. They don't know it all. They see a couple of things. They see a few articles. They see maybe their favorite guy saying X, Y, and Z. Yeah. So you get it kind of like the story. But there is. Now, you might want to clear a guy's name or you might not. Because there is a place for somebody who is, quote unquote, the villain in the story or the scary guy or the one. There's a notoriety that goes along with that as well. Not to say that's who the guy really is behind the scenes. So in the publicity angle, and easy, right? He played that up. He was very good at being controversial. He was very good at uh, writing that line and, and tricking. But, and that is what it takes, I think, a lot of times uh, to be able to get the kind of publicity that you need to actually do high volume sales in this country anyway. What, do you, what are your thoughts on that? No, it's absolutely, you're absolutely right. I mean, look, a perfect example, uh, if you ask me and, you know, um, you know, the urban music side of our company represents him, but Kanye. Oh, yeah. Kanye will say some, oh. something crazy right before he's going to drop a record or something. Yes. I mean, that he's guy. the Antonio Brown of music. Yes. Guy's a genius. If you want to, uh, 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 you love him or hate of, him, exactly. you heard it about I mean, him. Yep. I, I tell you what you want. I can't be mad at that guy. You know what I mean? you know. So, what's it? All right. I mean, and look, let's find out. Is there any time behind the scenes, right, where you're working with Kanye where he turns around and he goes, Hey, did you read that piece about uh, on PBS? Um, yeah. Is there any point where that drops away, or is he really like that all the time? I mean, from what I hear, because, you know, like I said, you know, we, we, we have a, uh, our company is a joint venture with um, this company called the Blueprint Group. Mm -hmm. And they have Kanye and Trippy Red and G-Eazy and Little Nas X, and you know what I mean? So, um Based on what I hear, mm -hmm. I mean, he's he's quite a character. All the way through. Yeah. Beginning to end. Now, wait a second. Before we go, sorry, now I want to talk to someone for a second, but you, I, in my Instagram feed at one point, you were taking pictures, and I thought I saw Antonio Brown in some of your pics. What was that? Oh, we, we, he did a drop, his weed company, at the Lemonade store, Steve LaBelle's store. So I was there because I was covering Vibes and I wanted to get a picture with Antonio Brown with Vibes. Right. So I went there with the Vibes and I met Antonio Brown and he took all sorts of pictures. I love Vibes. And Did you get in a hot air balloon with him or anything like that? Uh, I'm not willing to get in that hot air balloon. I know what time it is. But, uh, I, I, you know, it was all good. Like Antonio Brown, uh, um, uh, a guy like me kind of shows up and Antonio Brown's like, yeah, what's up? You know what right. I'm saying? Like, Real yeah. right, yeah. right, right, right. So it was all good with with him, man. I, I get where he's at, you know, and I know what, what's going on, but it was all good, dog, you know. And he's whatever he's doing, he's great at marketing himself and getting out there, and and uh, it's certainly got a lot of hits for us with vibes. He loves vibes papers, so right. And good. so, so your guys's company, because I'm an idiot. What is the name of your guys's company? Foundation Media. Foundation, Foundation Media. Media, beautiful yeah. and slim, slim. Uh, how do you work in the foundation? What's your role? So foundation right now, that's kind of a new venture. So I'm being brought in on Pablito's end, but we go back to like 98 probably. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, so the other label that he referenced, you know, with Jerry and Tony. So I was in on that. And, what uh, was that like from your perspective? Were you like getting mentored and learning the biz or were you no, already knew what's up or you're I, a trumpet guy? I, uh, I've been a musician my whole life. Yeah. So I met, I actually met Jerry prior to meeting Jerry again during this situation in, in a whole under different circumstances. What circumstances were those? So my mom worked for a uh, booking agency called Harmony, like back in the days, and Jerry was familiar with them. But like I said, I was a musician since I was probably four years old. I grew up, you know, in that environment. What kind of uh, instruments do you play? Everything? Yeah. But what's your go-to? Like harpsichord? I'm a guitar, I'm a guitar player. Guitar? Like yeah. a, what kind of guitar? Uh, I mean, rhythm. whatever whatever who's the best and listen i don't want you to be political and we'll take (laughs) current people out of the mix right because i know you got to hire artists come in and do whatever and they're gonna be i heard you said that yeah yeah yeah, yeah, all right but who in legend status okay who's the best guitar player of all time in your mind Mm. i have i could answer that hands down go ahead pop leader show that young there's no there's no need to even discuss that one right there go ahead who um (laughs) jimmy hendrix Go ahead. Right, but, 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 uh-huh. look. Listen, Jimi Hendrix got a lot. I mean, B.B. King. We know what you're going to say, yeah. B.B. King. See, I go, I go back to, to that school first, right? Right. Because I understand where it all came from, right? Oh, I so, love this guy already. Yeah. So, you know, but even, even with the whole. But uh, Jimi Hen- Hendrix is huge. Even with the Hendrix conversation and stuff like that, right? Like, so down the line growing up, I mean, I was around a lot of different people. For me, you know, there, there's, there's guitar heroes and there's people that you that you like and you have to admire for what they did, you know, for, for playing, for the way effects are used, the way recording is, is, you know, done. But, but if Slim is in his Maybach and he's cruising down the street on his lower car and he's listening to the whole thing, what guitar player are you going to be listening to? So, Joe Walsh. Wow. Uh, Eagles. So, pre, pre-Eagles, though, like James Gang, Joe Walsh. Sure. Uh, wow. This guy. Clapton. Cream, yeah. cream era Clapton. Cream, of course. Right. Uh, Who, by the way, got a lot of his stuff from B.B. King. Right. Okay, So, you. you know, David Gilmore. Yes, from but, Pink Floyd. Yeah, but then going, you know, I, I listened to everything that that actually came from, though. You know what I mean? And, right. And, and the British, you know, the blues invasion, the British invasion, the blues, the British blues that came out by the time, I'm, I'm 45 right now. But, right. so while I was pretty much listening to records and learning how to play. Yes. I was listening to that. Right. And then I went backwards and got deeper into where it came from and right. all that kind of stuff. Right. But you I mean, I, in there? Oh, for sure. I mean, of See, course. But, but, it, but what I'm saying is there's, so there's a difference between listening to something and what I actually play like. Gotcha. When I play, it's, it's more along the cream era Clapton, gotcha. Joe Walsh. Gotcha. When, when you listen to their phrasing, stuff like that, I'm a, I'm a, a Zeppelin freak, right? Me too. Uh, so Me as too. far as what I listen to on a daily basis, mm-hmm. it'll pretty much go go to that. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, so like by the time I was a teenager, I was already working professionally, doing session work. Uh, then, you know, when hip hop took off, I was ghost producing throughout the, the, the 90s. For, for Mr. and Mrs. Earbuds that might not know what that means, what does that mean, ghost producing? So basically, 
you know, you'll have people that establish a big name, mm-hmm. but in reality, they got five dudes in a, in a spot like this that are just mm-hmm. making beats all day. Right. You know, and when they get a name where they're selling, you know, a track for a hundred thousand, yeah, they're giving me ten, fifteen thousand, right, twelve thousand, whatever it was, you know, back then, right. Yeah. So and, and changing a hi hat, and now it's a so and so beat, right. You know, at the time. So again, so here's where Jerry comes in. Uh, you know, I had demo deals on the table in high school for band stuff still. I was still like playing, trying to do go that route. Right. So I'm running into, you know, Jane's Addiction, Chili Peppers, mm-hmm. that, that kind of scene. Right. When Guns N' Roses is coming out. Mm-hmm. So I have a Slash. At, at that point, yeah, I met Slash like back then. I was I was a little skater rat. You know what I mean? So I would be was he cool? What 11. did he do? Did he say he give you a joint? What happened? I mean, I got, <laughs> I got, I got stories with with, with all of that. But you know, I, 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 <laughs> that sounds real good. I, I was always a fly on the wall, and uh, so funny thing is that, like in a roundabout way, by the time I got into the to the hip hop world, yeah, they wouldn't even recognize me from the time I was like eleven, twelve, right? Uh-huh. Like. I grew up in uh, in the city of Commerce, like East LA area. Yeah, my favorite Costco is out there. Yeah, so business Costco. I'd be uh, <laughs> go all the way up Washington, go down to Venice Beach, like at that age, skating. Right, like, just no business being out in the world, right? But yeah. that's the kind of shit I was getting into already. Yeah. So I really came up, you know, just really learning shit from a lot of different people. Yeah. And by the time the hip hop stuff came around, I've always had a different ear hmm. because of what I was brought up in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, literally raised in, in the East L.A. scene. So groups like the Midnighters, mm. you know, Al Chicano, all these different, all these groups. I mean, mm-hmm. those people literally grew up with my parents. So, you know, I was literally schooled for that. There was no doubt in, you know, anybody's mind what I was going to get into. I was right. either going to totally be in trouble, <laughs> and which ended up happening anyway. But, yeah, you know, or you're going to do this. You know, and, and and that was a difference where getting into the ghost producing side, by the time I met him, Pablito. when you asked if I was mentored, you know, so for me, Tony G, Julio G, like at, at that point, those were the early Cypress Hill days, all that kind of stuff. My cousins went to high school with mugs. Right. You know, that whole area right there. Right. Um, they were all like party crews and stuff before mm-hmm. anybody was rapping and whatever and when heavy metal went into to rap and right. that whole progression, but all that was all in the same area, right? So for me, I looked at you know Tony and Julio and, and and that kind of stuff in a roundabout way. It's funny because then a few years later, like me and Tony were like that. I mean, Tony's like my older brother, so I come. You know, anybody that's really been into that situation, we call it the school of Tony G. So why is he so influential? Um. I mean, I can only speak, I, I think it's a name and amongst DJs and stuff like that. But mm. for me, I had a personal relationship the he, with them. The, the hit songs it, it he's was, produced. Me and Tony clicked in a different way because of, you know, musically. Mm. There, there's this whole, because Tony's a drummer. A lot of people didn't realize, you he's know. He's doing pro, pro, a rhodium, right? He's doing the rhodium radio? No, no, that's Tony A. That's Tony, oh, Tony A, yeah. Okay. So, which, which. Is Does anyone ever actually yeah. use their full last name or is everybody just going by A? Yeah, yeah, it's all. It, well, I mean, they had to differentiate a lot of Tonys. Pablito, how did you get into the music biz, brother? Uh, Brownside. Uh, it all started when, 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 you know, I mean, because me and Toker, we was running wild in the streets. You know what I mean? Just on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And 
I was more focused and concentrating what was going on in the street. And when he would take me to the G spot, to the studio where he was making his debut record with Tony G and Julio G, mm. I just didn't really get that, you know what I mean? Because all I knew is that we were gonna, all I knew is that we were gonna go to that studio and we were gonna sit there all fucking night for hours and hours and hours and they're just gonna keep redoing tracks and keep, <laughs> and you know, my mind was out there in the street and, and you know, taking care of business and, and I, that really wasn't my vibe, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I gradually kind of got into that because of, because of Toker. Toker wanted me to run his label at the time. You yeah. Know what I mean? And at the time, he was out on bail for, for a murder. Okay. I mean, he had a big Beverly Hills lawyer. Uh -huh. um, that, I mean, I don't know anybody. I don't know if you know anybody lucky that's been on bail for a murder for six years. Yeah, 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 man, no. You know what I'm saying? So right. he, yeah. had, he, he paid the right lawyer, but at the end of it all, they, they, you know, they hung him, you know what I mean? Mm. Because it was in Riverside County or San Bernardino County. And, yeah. And he took that gang and drug element from South Central LA to San Bernardino County, which right. didn't really quite have it. No, that's country out there, right. At that time, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, I knew, a, I guess these were these bloods from San Bernardino that I knew here in town. and. And I didn't know a few of them <coughs> lived in San Bernardino. Mm. And they were like, man, you know that little essay? That motherfuckers are crazy. They're doing drive-bys on 13s. Mm. You know? And I was like, you know, they were running wild in San Bernardino. So, so the, all the cops, all the, the city officials, everybody wanted to Toker to hang people. They want to hang his ass dry. Right. He would have me drive him. He would tell me, hey, man, you know, when he was going to court and shit, he's like, hey, man, can you drive me? And, you know what I mean? Because, you know, I can't be in San Bernardino. They would follow us out, make sure we crossed. That County we didn't, line? Yeah, that we didn't go, you know, to his girl's house or go to. You What's know. the secret? To driving a guy that's got a lot of heat on him, like, do you are you like ten and two, eleven and three, making sure you're using the turn signals? No, no, it wasn't like that. You know what I mean? You know, I'm gonna tell you the truth. How we, when I first met him, he would travel around in like three or four candy lowriders. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? All a hundred grand each. You know, at that times, you know. And he'd have three or four guys in each car, so there'd be him and like 20 dudes around. And I used to tell him, I says, um, I can't do this, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. You know, we're gonna go to jail every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know right. I mean? And I've always been the type to have like a little bucket, you know what I mean? Something I could just drive and be inconspicuous yeah. every day, you know? Just get to point A to point B. But I had bought this, it was a 94, I'll never forget this. I bought a brand new Hyundai. Mm, mm. <laughs> Don't ask me why. Ninety four, back before Hyundai hatchback, was hatchback. Shit, yeah, hatchback. But a buddy of mine's dad was selling cars, all these high end cars, like all high end cars. But he had this brand new Hyundai in the showroom, brand new. And I said, man, I need a little bucket. You know what I mean? Just to drive around. And so I said, yeah, you know, what do you want? Boom, boom, boom. So I pull him off, and I'm in it now. I'm rolling. So I pull up to Toker's mom's house. It was like 20, 30 dudes, right? There was like a car show outside, but that was like his entourage everywhere he went like right. that. 
And I told him, man, I said, I can't do this, man. You know what I mean? I was just, you know. I got a Hyundai, bro. I, I says, can't. I says, we're going to be in this right here. Hmm. And I reached under my seat. And I pull out a 357 about this big. I said, like, with this and this little car, we're good. <laughs> we're good. No one's going to. Right. Shit. It's well, all good. We never had a problem. Never got pulled over. Right. And right. we was in that little car next to the popos, <laughs> and they didn't even look at us. Right. You know what I mean? So he got it after a while. And, right. And after that, we would just hit corners everywhere. So we'd always be at the studio at the G-Spot. Yeah. And so the secret now, listen, the master storyteller, Pablito, can then engrace us with the, the secret is get a nondescript car. Don't draw attention to yourself. What's the matter, you, huh? I slept in your face. Yeah. I mean, you, the, the, the car that, you know, that, you know, you know, if you want to have a high-end car, drive it at night. Or, right, on or, the weekend. Or, or drive it where everybody owns one of those. Right. right. You can't be in a spider yeah. in right. South Central, you know what I mean? Right. Well, now, you told me a funny story about the Cheesecake Factory one. Do you remember telling me that story oh. about Cheesecake Factory? And I don't know, Easy. Pablo, somebody Pablo got, just, he got he got threatened or something was going to happen. And then he called up Toker. Oh, okay, okay, okay. This is a true story. You know what I mean? <laughs> this is a story. Um, <laughs> Easy had a lot of spots that we would meet him at that he just he, he liked. You know what I mean? Like Benny Hanna's was one of them. He Who loved, doesn't like Benny Hanna's? Yeah, okay, right. but that was his spot. Then yeah. Monty's was another one. Uh, Cheesecake Factory. So we would all periodically just meet him at these spots and grub, whatever. But I guess um, he was at the Cheesecake Factory, and I guess he saw saw Suge's crew. Suge's crew was there, um, and I guess they were had words with Easy or something. You know what I mean? Really? And uh, Toker and his boys rolled up. How they? I described to you how they rolled yeah. up. And. Uh, all that changed real quick, you know. They were like, "What is there? What, what's, what's what's going on right here?" Yeah, <laughs> we're like, "Oh no, nah, you know, nothing." Right. You know? No hanging anybody out uh, on a balcony on that night. Not with them dudes. Not with them dudes. You know, I always, I don't know. To me, I think Suge knew who to pick on and who not to pick up. Sure. Absolutely, bro. And yeah. I'm I'm going to tell you, man, I've been around the block. Yeah. And when I when I met up with Toker and them, yeah. all prior to all that, dude. Yeah. Uh, first off, it was all good. They had love. You know what? He always gives up in a, he gives it up in a, in a recording. Yeah. He was like, fuck all these fake ass rappers. The only dudes who I like are proper dose. Ernie G yeah. from Santa Monica, right? That's the only dude. <laughs> and uh so but but yeah. we met and 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 it was all good and I met I met uh, his whole little crew, bro, right? And uh, they were about the business. Right. One thing was that those were dudes that were rapping, but they were about the business, dude. They knew it. You know what his slogan was? He would always say, mm. he says, we're not, we're not rappers trying to be gangsters. Right. We're gangsters trying to be rappers. Right. He had no problem by saying that. He Absolutely says, man, I give two fucks about rapping or being a rapper, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, he was trying to do do this with this, you know what I mean? He was trying to flip it to where right. he ain't got to do this no more, you know, or anything like that. He could just rap and, and, he so I think and be easy, good. I think Easy was uh, smart enough to know who he was aligning himself with. No, e Easy had the vision. No, Easy, look, Easy, well, why do you think Easy signed Frost and, and all this other stuff? Right. Let me tell you something. He signed Kid Frost. Kid Frost dropped the record with Easy and went almost gold. Like, right. 
You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So Easy was, he knew that the the, the Chicanos and the, the the Latinos period that whole movement was gonna just dominate the game. He right. knew that way before everybody. You know when when I when I you know and I don't know this personally. I mean, dude, I'm from Washington, right? I'm American. And I don't really yeah. know all that. I'm not from South Central. I don't do anything. Yeah. But you know, Big Lux and everybody through the guys that I met through him, what I've seen like Esteban Oreo, right, and his documentaries and all this other stuff is, I've seen that the Chicano influence in the African American community, especially, you can really see it. A lot of people don't really get that. Um, and some of the guys that built like the quote unquote low riders or whatever that you see in some of these videos that you would associate necessarily with African Americans were actually built designed by Chicanos. I mean, it's just a lifestyle. You know what I mean, we, <clears throat> me personally, I've been building those cars more than half my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Me and two other guys. You know. You know, when when we started South Light, South South Side Los Angeles, mm-hmm. there was only three of us, and each of us had a. But of the three of us, each of us had a few cars. You know bro, I mean? let me tell you something. Yeah, yeah, please. When you saw that South Side plaque, yeah. yeah, bro, the cars they were bringing, yeah, like if everybody had six four. They had like a '62 Supra that was, or like there, there, there was a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. I remember rolling up with Cartoon and Esteban, and they were like, "You check these dudes out. Watch what these dudes are doing." It was next. Le- you guys were on a whole nother level yeah, with shit, we, dude. I mean, we we took that, or we take that, or you know, all of us, very very serious. You know what I mean? If if it's if it's not a hundred point lowrider. Yeah. It ain't going to be on the street. It ain't going to have a plaque. Right. Right. So, you know, had to be rotisserie. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, like, we'd go the extra mile. Like, you know, there'd be parts of the car that you wouldn't even see. Like the inside of the interior, where you're going to put the interior, you're never going to see. It had to be painted. had to be red oxide. It had to be, like, everything had to be just... Right. 100%. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. somewhere, yeah. even if... Not everybody's <laughs> gonna see it. You know it. I won't be able to sleep at night knowing that, you know, it's uh, my car wasn't done a certain way. Bro, I'm telling you, man, yeah. the tr- there was a yeah. truth, bro. Yeah. Listen, the truth. <clears throat> one thing that I don't know that people understand, and, and I kind of got this from when Cartoon did his interview mm-hmm. in the in the in the Westlos documentary, right? Right. 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 Cartoon said kind of the same thing, and I'm starting to notice that true, true, true car dudes have a touch of the OCD or yeah, some kind yeah, of obsession yes, quality. Yes, they bro. can't sleep. No, no. Uh-uh. You're right? absolutely no. right on that, bro. It doesn't matter what somebody doesn't know. If it's the if it's the yeah. little piece yeah. and it's a it's a knockoff, it's a replica, it's not yeah. the real one. Yeah. They're gonna lose sleep looking all over the country trying to find the real one. Yeah. And until it's the real fucking reflector on the back, yeah. yeah. They don't want to bring it out. Right. What's the point? And we don't care what it costs. Right. 100%, dog. Yeah. 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 You got to be a little bit anal and OCD. A little crazy. Yeah, yeah. No, a little crazy. No, you got to be a little crazy. I am. I'll be the first to admit it. You know what I mean? Right. If the car ain't picture perfect, you know what I mean? Right. But I also tell you something else. Go ahead. And this is an outside perspective. Please do, my fine <laughs> when friend. When you have a conversation with somebody like that, right? Yes, sir. And what you're talking about. Yes, sir. And you have a conversation with a dude who patched that but, but 
You're having two different conversations. Oh, yeah. That huh. car yeah. is going to tell you yeah. about what that person's about. Oh, for sure. This motherfucker's yeah. trying to tell you all sorts. You're going to get into a deal where you're going to have to fucking kill the guy because he fucking was fucking full of shit. <laughs> you're right. This guy, at least what you're talking with is really going to happen. Right. You know two different saying? languages. Yeah. But Not even the same. You get what language. I'm saying, right? Yeah. Listen, do I get what you're saying? Listen, let me tell you something. Now, my thing ain't caught. You're either a law professor or you're chasing him. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> hey, the way the, hey, the way the way healthcare is in this country, somebody's got to be chasing those ambulances. <laughs> right? But the issue is, is like uh, a lot of times people will be like, hey, you know, because my thing isn't, my thing isn't cars. I'm an Indian. Don't ask American Indians about cars. Because you know what? We got rusted junkers that we drive everywhere and that's all we do. We ain't tripping. Right? <laughs> On the reservation. That's the true story. So every car my family's had was like a beater. We, we had the money for something else, but we just we don't care as much as other people might. That's just not our thing. And we're not even going to try to get into the arena. Why? But my thing is books. And people ask me, they're like, what books should I read? And uh, I almost, you know, like you came in here... We didn't have you scheduled or anything. I had just been reading the books. Yeah. Then when you came in, I was like, oh, yeah. And I pulled these back up. So when people talk to me about that, I go into it almost like a, a uh, like my head almost explodes. Someone's like, what book should I read? And I, I can't even get, I can't even get into it with you. You're not a real, you don't really want to know. You don't know how much it's going to take to find out. Probably with music, it's the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. You talk to some people and they're, they think they're a music nut, yeah. right? How many times, Slim, do you run into somebody that's like, oh, I'm a music nut too. I'm a music buff. Let me tell you about what happened to the Eagles, right? How often do you run into that and you're like, I can't get into that. Why are you trying to talk to me? The majority of the time. Right. You know, it, it's, it's, so these intricacies that you bring up with cars, there's a reason why, you know, it's a small world. Right. right. Yeah. And yeah. In, in one way, shape or form, like we're all street dudes. Like when, when, when you peel all the rest of that shit back. Yeah. Right. So first and foremost, you move a certain way. You speak a certain way. We do business a certain way. That's why him and I click after right. all these years. We're, we're, we're still like that. Right. You only have certain conversations amongst people that that speak that language, right. you know. And uh, so it's like that with everything to where. Like he said, you'll have a, a conversation with two dudes that say, you know, I do this and he does this. Somebody that's been around anything is going to be able to see that like that. Yeah. Somebody could come to him and say, oh, I've got, I do this, I do this, this, this. We're going to know in five, in, in not even five minutes, we're going to know in 30 seconds, yeah. you know, how this is going to play out. Right, 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 you right, know? right. Now, Pablito, you are in the business of, of media at a time when there have been astronomical changes. Yes. In your, you've witnessed them. It was the music industry, movies, all that shit was one way, and now it's a completely <laughs> maybe different animal, right? Mm -hmm. What would you say about it well, from your perspective? I mean, you know, first and foremost, everybody's gotta move with the times. You know what I mean? No one could be stuck in time or this and that and other. You know, um, you know, you make music, you got to make today's music. You can't make music that's, you know, you listen to in the 90s, you know. Um, but 
I, I've noticed that even it, it, started. It's just everything's evolving. You know what I mean? The streaming now and right. the streaming platforms, and you got right. all these, all these, all these networks now that are coming up, and, and the gatekeepers know, are changing. All that stuff. You know what I mean? And I, I think it's, it's, I think it's good. You know what I mean? Um, What's the biggest challenge today? Do you think for artists? Right? What's the biggest challenge for them to break through? Well, I'm gonna be honest with you. Yeah, come on. What these record executives are looking for, they won't they won't leave Beverly Hills, number mm-hmm. one. They won't come down here and sit down and chill with us and you know, whatever. Kibitz yeah. as they say, you know what I mean? Kibitz, yeah. yeah so so um, <laughs> um what they do is they sit behind their desk and they just, you know, they're just I'm surfing the net constantly, obviously. Right. But it's sad because you could be a dope artist and uh, have dope music, but if you don't have any numbers, mm-hmm. it's, it's a numbers game today with all these yeah. big, huge execs. They don't give a crap about shit. How many views you got? Yeah. Right, right, right. How many right. lists you got? How many lists you got? Uh, how yep. many followers you got? Uh, you could be dope as fuck. Unless you got a guy like me that's with those people that say, look, Fuck what you're saying about this number shit. This is going to be an exception. We're going to bring this to the pipeline and mark my words, it's just going to blow up. But that's very rare. There are not a lot of you guys no. in those rooms. Wait, wait, wait. No wait, wait, wait. All right, let's slow down, guys. No way. Listen, this no is way. this is great because, I mean, I'm feeling what Pablito's saying. So there's so many chowder heads that are listening to us right now yeah. all across the yeah. nation, okay? And they're listening. They kind of understand what you're saying, but they don't really know what it's like to be in the room. So, can you walk me through just a little bit when <clears throat> you go to this exec who's stuck behind the desk and he's like, "How many views?" and blah blah blah. When does Pablito go? Fuck all that shit. When I mean, do you? I've been do saying, you put him fuck in all a- that shit for twenty years. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean, it's 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 a it's a up, it's a up road battle you know what i mean trust me and you could be right next to those guys mm-hmm. as we are yeah you know what i mean yeah um, you know the, the our, our music team you know we're in all the charts we're you know you know waiting grammys and shit you know what i mean yeah but it's still it's it's hard you know it, it, look like i said if you don't have no numbers nothing's happening with you man yeah you know i mean straight up i got Damn. this i got this group i'm trying to sign i'm gonna mention any names okay She's fifteen year old. She's fifteen. Okay. Uh, Latina Mexican music. Okay. She dropped a video like a month ago. Fifteen million views. So that do I got their attention right now? Oh, I got everybody's attention. You got our attention right now. You know what I mean? Our eyes just opened up. Fifteen million views. She's fifteen. She's the number one little Mexican regional chick in the entire business. Do you have any idea why she and like? Because there's somebody else that's listening that dropped something, and they're like, "I got five views." Well, because it's the it's the genre that she's in. There's this there's this genre in 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 L.A. right now with, okay, you know, back in the day, you know, everybody kind of all the people listening to Charlino and Vicente Fernandez, Ramon Ayala, but the kids of those people, yeah. they interpret that into some other shit now. It's called, it's called Corridos Tumbados. Mm. Corridos? Tumbados. Tumbados. Okay? So basically, these kids are drinking lean too, <laughs> smoking weed, but they're playing Mexican street music. And they're talking about broads and guns and dope and cars and all that shit too. And the shit is just gone through the fucking roof. 
It's made a couple guys out there that has a couple of these labels just is, rich is, is beyond. Jimmy, the, is Jimmy Hum- G- Jimmy's the he's the he's the the main guy. Well, there's two guys out there that that and I, and I'm, I'm that's cool because it just tells me there's room for another know, hundred exactly because right? there's only two guys holding it down right, right now. Yeah, Dell Records I guess was the first one, and then Rancho and me they was doing it, but it, there's no like rock and science to what they're doing. There's so many kids popping up in these groups and this genre and this music, you know. You just gotta have an ear for have an ear for the right one. You know what I mean? So I saw these guys that I'm trying to sign. I'm interrupt you. Go ahead. I'm trying to sign this group that had that little girl under them. Mm-hmm. So I saw that little girl go from just some little girl with her two little brothers playing to she was on the front page of the LA Times the other day, you know, and she's got, you know, she's getting plaques for all the streams and, you know, 15 million views, and so she's well on the way, there's no stopping her, and I'm, I'm happy for her, you know, I think they actually did their first, their first live show last, might have been last night. I saw that too, yeah, yeah. so, but, so, I mean, the more power to them. You know, sure. You know, they're making money beyond their wildest dreams, you know? Slim. Um, from the music, like the instruments and the production side of it, <clears throat> what are you seeing today that is different or how, where is it going? Because for me, right, and this might not be necessarily the music you guys are dealing with, but a lot of stuff sounds very down energy to me. Like there's long, long, long intros and it's a little down energy. What are you seeing? Is it... Is the drug scene different, and that's why the music's 100%, different? 100%. So there's a direct correlation between that, right? So, again, you go back to the 60s. Uh, you know, I'm a damn near musicologist, right? Yeah, so, please. So you go back to the 60s. It's the same thing. So when you see what's what's popular, when disco kicks off. Right. When, you know, party, psychedelics party, party drugs, off, psychedelics. Right. Yeah. So everybody's got their thing. When you also factor in the fact that, you know, everybody you know miraculously has depression anxiety all right yeah right. 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 right so then you get the, the pharmaceutical shit right yeah so everybody and it's funny how he brought that up you know uh the the comparison to their parents music same yeah. thing in the in, in in the the regional mexican scene and you have the whole emo crowd with that shit now too yeah. right and that is what what this group that he's talking about that's their little specific niche but in a roundabout way like it very much is connected to the drugs to the scene whatever it is right so of course everything is you know again you you go regional even in even in urban music you know houston you know chopped and screwed right you know everybody's on lean so of course it's like the tempo of the music is literally going to be now that we're right here and i've got two experts you know why is there such a connection between drugs and music I mean, drugs. I, I mean, mean, if if if, if you ever been on drugs, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I have, I have. So, you know, trust me. I, you know, so I, yeah. But <laughs> dr- drug, drugs just take you to these certain places that that you know what I mean, like. But so does music if you're doing it right. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. So it's all spirit. So, so you know. On an off topic, so I'm half native. As well. Okay. So welcome, my red uh, brother. So you know, it, it, it's basically <laughs> you understand, and not to say that it's for the sake of getting high, right? But you understand ceremonially, like what 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 certain things do. I've had these conversations with people where everything goes back to to the drum, goes sure. back to you know, to, again to bring up Tony. Tony G and I have had conversations at length of all this kind of shit. Yeah. And uh, 
you know, everything comes back to, to the drum. For us, the drum represents the heartbeat, you know, Mother yep. Earth. Like, yep. it, it, it's, so it's something that comes through. So for people that have no connection to that, right, the way that they achieve that is through drugs or through, uh, you know, music. If it's done correctly, yeah, there is, it transcends time, right? So this isn't about the, 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 the 60s, the 70s, all this different shit. Good music is good music. That's true. So in a roundabout way, right, this entire conversation that we've had, we've talked about people that have an eye for certain things, an ear for certain things, be that Jerry, now be that him, right. be that me from the hat that I wear. It all goes back to that's what separates one man from another and what you bring to the table, even though we can all do the same thing. Yeah. Right? Like everybody's got their own thing. And that's what makes, you know, even at that point, so what we're looking at in regional Mexican music and what the future is of that, we've already had conversations about, okay, so even though this is hot right now, how do we incorporate this with this and where do we take this next? Because it's not about, oh, you know, labels, again, to go back to execs and things like yeah. that, it's like what labels do, he's talking about the exec behind the desk, he don't want to leave his office. The technology is different right now, but I was in the game back then when it was starting, it was the intern going through the unsolicited shit that showed up, you know, if, if a manager didn't send your shit to a label, you had to save up and fly to New York to try and catch a meeting, wait outside of a building. There was no, I'm going to, I'm going to DM this dude. Like, it, you know, so we had to take penitentiary chances. It was no, I have a studio, right? I bought a laptop. Now nah, you got to drop 50, 60 G's to right. put a studio in your, in your garage. And even that was unheard of. Right. You know, so the, again it, it there's layers to it and at the same time execs don't know now they do because the jimmy iveens and the people like they came from doing it and became execs right right so they may have an ear a dr dre will have an ear because he did it right but when the execs he's talking about may have you know they're just numbers people right so without somebody filtering <laughs> that out and telling them and they still can't see it, right? They, right. They, there's no de there's no artist development anymore. You asked about like what the difference yeah. is in the game. Yeah, the barrier to entry is gone because of technology, right? You can right. buy a laptop and say I'm a producer. Right, it's all point and click now. Fruity. But loops. the difference is though, the difference is is that there is still very much a difference. One of the things that uh, you know, Tony had told me early on, and I I had a good ten years experience before I even met Tony, but. One of the things that always stuck with me is that we're always guarded about our drums, about samples you use, you know, whatever the case may be. Tony literally told me, here's my hard drive. You know, I'm telling you, I mean, we were like that. Here's my hard drive. And I'm like, fuck, for real? Like, those are the drums of that? Those are the drums of that? You know, and uh, he's like, yeah, but you, you know, you and I will never make I can give you all my shit. You can't do what I do. I can't right, do what you right, do. Right, right. And there was that respect there. And so I've always been that way with, with up and comers, mm -hmm. you know, so I take the good from every situation and apply that to everybody else and try and kind of build that up. Right. We, we, this is very reminiscent of a conversation that we had with uh, an animator last week and he animates and he draws by hand. Mm -hmm. And he came up in the world where you have to redraw it over and over, right? right. And he came through the technology. Yeah. And you had asked him, because he was saying, well, now 
they've got a program where a fucking six-year-old kid can animate. Yep. And he'd ask him, so then what's eventually, as it's going now, what's going to happen to the guys like you? when anybody can be an animator when now you can just it'll be eventually to the point where you just plug the things on your hands right and you can just animate mm -hmm. and what was interesting is that he said it's like at any point in time it's just a continuous wheel it'll always eventually go back to the dude that really can create it, it'll it, come it, back know. to the guy the real creative guy because that the even the machinery can't mimic talent there it is right kind of like is, did i say that right yes that's the difference though is that you can literally you know i always reference prince because i'm i'm not to put myself on prince's no level. but no computer I mean, will ever on. be what prince almost is. but well no i mean you know if, if you One actually of the see me players. do shit yeah you could literally still put me in a room with with analog tape yeah a mixing console the whole shit right i understand the term looping something you know where it came from the beatles and you know, tape loops. They actually had it through the entire stands, studio. The shit, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. I recorded it in, in a lot of these places. Like, you could literally still put me in a room and I'll play every instrument. You can track me and I'll, I'll end up, right. I'll do that. Yeah. Sample myself. Yeah. Make it sound like I sampled a record. Right. At this stage in the game, I've been through everything legally. So I understand the business side of it. Sure. So that's where we're at now to where... You know, I'm basically at a point where there's nothing that I haven't done in the industry, no hat that I haven't worn at this point on both sides now. Yeah. So whether that's on the exec side or the musical side. So it's like it just filters out a lot of bullshit. So the people that say, oh, I'm a producer, or I'd make beats and yeah, that's cool, you know, but you can do this and you can get rich. Right. And again, getting rich or being successful, that is a that's a relative term. Right. Because right. if you compare it to what you make at Home Depot and having to go break your back to anybody can make a living now, right? Right. Pay a mortgage, you know, all that kind of situation. It just depends on what your definition of success is. If it's even even if, if your idea, and I'm not saying this in any kind of metaphysical bullshit way, but there are some artists who know that the money and stuff comes with it, but my right. actual goal, right, is I'm trying to break through uh, whatever the standard is or whatever. Right. Like, I just got done reading this book, uh, Latin hitmaker, Rudy Perez. Mm -hmm. This guy worked with Jose Feliciano, Julio Iglesias, right? Is, yeah. mm -hmm. Do you know who this yeah, dude is? Of course. And I got to tell you, I had no expectations when I read this book because I don't know a lot about Latin music myself personally, right? But I'm like, I got to get educated. The audience, hard luck show, yeah. da 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 yeah. So I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to read this Rudy Perez. He walked through so many fascinating discussions about the difference between somebody who gets to a certain level and then somebody else that's really like he said jose feliciano he was blind he said this dude was so about it he broke through so many barriers at a time when people weren't doing that from yeah. that side the mm -hmm. latin side yeah. like that crossover I, I i you know what i i always say this man and i and i use and i use restaurants as an example the some of the best food i've ever eaten in a restaurant were privately owned. They weren't chains. They were mm. privately owned restaurants. Sure. And the guy that owned the restaurant was usually there greeting you and seating you. He's the matron. Right. But that guy 
if any, if the dishwasher fucking fell apart, if right. the cook fell apart, if the bartender didn't show up, He's there. this yeah. man was able to do every, because he had spent a lifetime in the restaurant business doing every job. He could open a bottle of wine, he could clean your plate, right. he'd go make your fucking flambe, and he'd make your martini. Right. And those were the best restaurants because the people in it understood, like Jelena, when Jessica was there, like the chef, the main owner, and her, the three of those people could do anything in the restaurant. They knew every way of everything to do everything. True entrepreneurs. Yeah. It's really, bro. And I think like I refer myself back to that in apparel. Yeah. Like I've packed the boxes. I've sat there and screen printed. Yep. I've done marketing. Yep. I've done promotions. How, how, do you, how do you know what to expect from the people that you work around with you? if yeah, you exactly. haven't done the job, right? And, and And this is where it goes back to what's changed in the industry, right? Like... There were no engineering schools and stuff like that. No audio programs. You know, you were a gopher, which is now referred to as a runner for, for the co few commercial spots that are still open around town, right? Right. But again, I came back. I, I actually went backwards. So I had already made records. Mm. And around 2004, I went back to school because I wanted to get a staff job, you know, at, at, a, at a commercial facility just to go do it, right? And, right. Uh, I'm running into people that I had produced before and done sessions with. They're like, what the fuck? You're running here and you know, whatever. And it's like, yeah, but you have to understand the inner workings of that because at some point we're going to open a studio. Right. So, you know, I had already had project studios and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. But, but again, it's, it, it's always bigger. And one of the things they tell you in that environment, you know, and that's where you make or break, you know, people come in. You could be talented. You were a rock star at your at your school, not at their schools, right? <laughs> and, yeah. You know these people. Went, yeah. Go to Hard Rock. Yeah. These yeah. people went to this school, so now the studio manager went to that school. Yeah. They're an alum there, so all the runners and everybody that comes up, you know, you see all this favoritism shit. But at the end of the day, you know, it's literally put the sharpies in the cup this way. If if you can't get my in and out order right, how am I going to trust you in a room that costs four thousand sure. dollars a room? Sure. It, it, it's the principle of it, right? Like, how are you going to run a session? Execution. You got to learn studio etiquette. You got to learn, you know, you could be talented. That's a prerequisite in, in any aspect. Everybody's of any of talented. Show, right? Consistency. It, it's, it's, are you a dick? Can I stand to be around you for, for fucking 12, 18 hours? Yes, sir. And I take that. But there are some people that, and, and not everybody is this, but I feel like there's a group of people that want to be in this industry because they know somewhere that if they're talented enough, they mm -hmm. can be a dick. Because they've already heard some well, crazy yeah, dick you, stories. Yeah. I mean, I have horrible fucking stories. Oh, of, I wish of, you of, would tell <laughs> us. I wish you would tell us those stories. You know, uh, I won't name names, but, sure. but, but at one point, there was a uh, female, you know, big name that basically got uh, a runner fired. Would, would do shit like complain about other celebrities that were recording in this room, that room. Oh, they're bringing all these broads in here, you know, blah, 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 whatever. Sending people to fucking Malibu to pick up oysters, knowing that they'd be shit by the time you get them back to, to, to Hollywood. You know, I heard some crazy story and, 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 of Lauren and, and, Hill that you, when you talk to Lauren Hill, you can never look her in the eye. So, You're not no, allowed there, to look at her. There's just crazy like, shit. Right? Is that true? Shit. That the lady with the oysters was Loretta Lynn. Is that true? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> you know, at, at some point, you know, there's a conversation that takes place. And, and, and what happens is uh, one of the guys is fed up and tells this female, 
why don't I, why don't I send one of the runners to get you some friends? Yeah. <laughs> oh. And you know, so of course she blows up, gets him fired. But yeah. it's like after a while, when you're dealing with this day in day out, yeah. you know, there's so it, it's it's like you can only take that for so long is that why you got the staff job you told that to ariana (laughs) (laughs) you know so so that kind of situation is just like pablito do you you have a uh a crazy you don't have to name names but what's your crazy music story or do you got one where you're like that was just wild i mean one was kind of i mean it kind of stuck with me and i kind of felt bad for her but uh i think i just got out of high school was probably 18 and I was on this huge sold-out arena tour with this rock band called Poison. Yeah. Get the hell out of here. No, no, no. Ain't no. looking for nothing but a good time. I, I fucking, every rose has a thorn. I was, <laughs> I was sick of hearing that shit yeah, every yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. night. <laughs> every fucking night I was hearing that shit, right? All right? So, but at the time... Those guys had sold fucking 20 million records. They were right. one of the biggest bands in the fucking... They Jeez. dominated MTV, the whole nine yards. <laughs> Turn it up a little bit, please. 18-year-old Pablito, he's in the wings. So, 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 we're in the chow hall, right? And, uh, you know, everybody's got to have a meal ticket and shit, you know what I mean? Or, you know, whatever. And Bobby Dahl is the bass player of Poison, right? Yeah. And he just rolled out of his bus, you know, just woke up. I mean, his hair's all fucked up. <laughs> He'd have no laminate. He had no lunch. He had no meal ticket. Right. Nothing, right? He walks up, and I'm in line. He's like, hey, dude, can I get in front of you? I just want to get a little salad or some shit. I mean, this is his fucking tour. Am I going to tell him no? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I said, Bobby, no problem. Went, Thanks, bro. Emotional intelligence. Yeah, so, so he's there, and... And it was funny because these poison, every, every town we went into, evidently it was the same caterer that they had been dealing with for years. Because, you know, if, 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 if the barbecue joint in Kansas did me right, well, fuck, next year I'm going to have them again and again and again. We'll sure. build a rapport and shit. It's good food, right? Yeah. So I'll never forget, these chicks were dressed like little Amish chicks. You know what I mean? As one does. And, and, As one does. And Bobby was like, you know, I just want to get a salad. She's like, excuse me, sir, do you have a ticket? Ooh. Right? And he was like, oh, no, no, I just want to get a salad. He goes, oh, I'm sorry, sir, you got to have a ticket. And I try to tell him, like, you know, this is his fuck. We're all out here because of him. This you know is what his I mean? salad. This is his shit. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> so she asked him a third time, and he tried to, like, and all of a sudden he slammed his fucking tray down. And he was like, Steve! <laughs> Steve was a production manager. I mean, he, I mean, he literally... I mean, we have a whole fucking cafeteria full of people. All the trucker drivers, mm-hmm. all the crew, everybody. Mm-hmm. Slams his fucking tray on the fucking table and screams from the top of his fucking lungs. <laughs> Steve! <laughs> so Steve comes running in. Tell this fucking little bitch that I just want a fucking salad. As a matter of fact, get her the fuck out of here when I eat this fucking salad right here. I don't want to water in the fucking building. Yeah, 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 yeah. So everybody was, they could hear a fucking pin drop, right? Yeah. And she must have been about fucking 19, 20, so she just fucking, so I, you know, I went to eat my food. Yeah. 
But I felt so bad because when I was done, I went out to where the buses were to get on our bus. She's outside fucking just standing there. Yeah. Like, they tossed her outside, man, until Bobby yeah. was done eating his food and then she was allowed back in. Yeah. Well, yeah. listen, every caterer has her thorn. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's crazy. Actually, in some ways, that might have been well, a great life lesson for that lady. That tune was like that movie Spinal Tap. You ever seen that movie Spinal oh, Tap? Oh, come yeah. on. Number 11. That movie... Every yeah. night, it's the time of my life. Oh, yeah, my God. Yeah. That wasn't work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That wasn't work, man. What was one of the the, the beautiful plums or the fruit <laughs> that fell from the poisonous tree? She oh. was from Tennessee. Oh! I don't know what, but every town was <laughs> what just, happened every was. town was, Fuck. every town was heaven because poison Attracted all the youngest, hottest, hottest, right? Okay, that's when I would see Pamela Anderson, because she was the first one to do a video with any with Brett Michaels, right? Mm -hmm. So, I <laughs> come on, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's I ain't looking for shit, nothing, dude. bro. Yeah. So, looking for nothing. so she'd be out there on tour with him when all that shit was taking place, <sighs> and she always had two girlfriends were hotter than her. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, you know? yeah, and, and yeah. That yeah. tour. How long God. did that tour last? Not long About three, enough. A couple months. Yeah, three, four months. See, man, that's the era that yeah. we grew up in. Yeah, dog. man. With all them, dude. Yeah, yeah all like, that. Yeah, dude. dude. Yeah, so, bro. I mean, I toured Great White and Damn. You know, Bon Jovi, and, uh, Bon Jovi, and, 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 and Ozzy. Which, and, which, and, and, which Bon Jovi? Uh, Slippery when wet. Uh, <laughs> maybe the next one. I forgot. Maybe it was the second record. I mean, that dude was bringing in broads back then too, right? I mean, everybody wanted on that. We did shows with all them hair bands. Yeah. We did shows with Cinderella. We did shows with Cinderella. We did shows with everybody. Let me ask you a question, yeah. man. And I want, cause I think Damn. about this probably once a day. I got a daughter. She's two and a half. God yeah. bless her. Yeah. She goes anywhere near a rock star. I'm gonna kill that guy. <laughs> yeah. All right, let me tell you something. Yeah. Keep her away. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not even gonna let her listen to music. Yeah. She's gonna be walking around with a fucking fishbowl on her head. She can't hear shit. <laughs> <laughs> now. Why? Dude, I really think about this. Maybe Pablito, you have the experience to tell me. Why is it that, like, for some reason, it doesn't matter how good a girl is in her regular life, she might be duly committed. But these rock stars, especially the hair ones, they're a little androgynous, mm -hmm. right? There's a touch of a woman on them. Why, when they come to town, all bets are off. I mean, we used to have strippers <laughs> following us. They said, look, we knew you were coming, and, and we stripped overtime all month so we could follow you to the next two states. <laughs> so they would Fucking follow crazy. us to the next two states and just be our chicks for the next two or three states. Ah, their money, damn, think about their that. Their money, however money they- I'm married, their I don't think was, about that anymore. Their, Go ahead, please. However money, they, how far they could stretch their money is how far they would get with us, and they knew I had to turn back around and come back home. And the next crew would be waiting but for why? Oh, for sure. But uh, why? I mean, why does this thing grab hold of the, the women's erotic imagination? I was getting on the bus one day. <laughs> and I, I be thinking about this. I shit have th this, this, this to me was like the kicker, right? right. Oh, I love this. You know? So I get on the bus. No, before I get on the bus, there's this hot fucking chick standing right outside our door with her boyfriend. Right. <laughs> right. With her boyfriend, right? Right. 
So our guitar tech was his name was Dale. And he was just a fucking dirty bastard. I love him. <laughs> so all of a sudden, he tells her right in front of her boyfriend, because she's like, oh, you know, she's trying to hit around like she wants to meet the band. Mm-hmm. Right. So Dale's like, oh, you want to meet the band? Yeah, okay, but he's got to wait out here. Mm-hmm. Of course. She got on the fucking bus. As they do. Took off all her fucking <laughs> clothes. The minute the curtain. Yeah. The minute you got on the bus and she got on the other side of the curtain, she got down butt fucking naked and fucking Dude. fucked and sucked everybody every soul on that oh. bus. <laughs> then all the band, they autographed her whole body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And to clean it up and made it look like some fan shit. They gave her a drum head, a, a drumsticks, and some guitar picks, mm-hmm. and like a shirt. So she got off like, "Oh, look what they gave me!" But she got like two gallons of nut in it. <laughs> you know look what, I mean? what else they yeah, gave her? They gave her boyfriend a kiss, huh? And gave her boyfriend a kiss right off the bus, dude. Damn, bro. that's a true story, brother. Oh, I've been, dude, I can rock. listen. You know what? We can Let's talk about order this some lunch. Yeah. Order some lunch. Let's go. We're not leaving until I hear every goddamn story oh, that Bobby's got to tell. Oh, Dude, I got to tell you, and I'm not lying. This big rock star shit. That was crazy, man. Man, your face oh, lights man. up, Bobby. Yeah, when yeah. you tell these stories. I had the time of my life. Let me tell you something. That wasn't fucking work, man. I think at the time, if they didn't pull me off the street, because a lot of people were getting killed, a lot of people, you know, they pulled me off the street and took me on this tour. You know what I mean? Um, this band I knew was called Bullet Boys and the lead singer was from Montebello and he was a talented artist man he had played for Rat he played for a bunch of big bands he was even signed to fucking Barry Gordy and Motown okay he was was a guitar player for that one song um, where Michael Jackson sang the hook Oh, I feel like someone's watching, watching me. me. He was a right. guitar player for and that Barry song. And Barry Gordy's son or relative or yeah. somebody did that song. No, and his nephew or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and, he, and Michael Jackson yeah. had to do a favor because you're like, how the fuck Barry is Michael? Gordy, yeah, 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 just, yeah, 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 yeah. Get on my nephew's song. Yeah. But my boy played, was the guitar player for that record. But he was able to, yeah, those guys right there. So I went on tour with them. That's how I got in that scene with them. You know, they opened up for Poison. You know, and yeah, you know, and a couple of the band members were from Montebello. Yeah, you know what I mean. And they had signed with Warner Brothers, and uh, Ted Templeman, who produced all of Van Halen's records, right? Produced their records, the Bullet Boys records too. Yeah. So we were off and running, man. Man. They got a gold record with 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 uh, Warner at the time, and we were on every major tour in in 1989, 90. You know what's interesting is that uh, <clears throat> when I read the the Rudy Perez story, Rudy had a an interesting Michael Jackson story. Nothing crazy, but he said that he was in a studio somewhere in Miami with Jose Feliciano, and they were producing whatever. It was a big fucking deal, right? So the studio says, "Hey, everybody, stay in. Don't be walking around and looking at shit. And you act right because we got a real big fish here." But they didn't say who it was. Yeah. Rudy was saying, when that happens, that usually means somebody super famous is there and they don't want to be bothered, blah, 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 blah. So Jose comes out. Quincy Jones comes out of another room and sees Jose Feliciano. I was like, 
hey, Jose. And they fucking chopped it up. He knows Quincy Jones. He did the Latin fucking We Are the World yeah, and yeah. gave him shit for yeah. not having him on the fucking We Are the World because yeah. he only knew one blind guy. I guess that was fucking Ray Charles, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. While they're chopping it up, Rudy Perez says that fucking there's a guy in the back with a ba- baseball cap behind whatever, whatever, right? They go in there, it turns out Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson, this might have been bad, right after whatever, right when he's recording bad. Michael Jackson looks in and sees Jose Feliciano and was like starstruck and said, Jose Feliciano, you're the fucking man. You're the, and he brought Jose around and Jose and Michael talking up and then, and then now, <clears throat> Jose Feliciano's blind and he says to uh, Michael, he goes, I want you to do me a favor, man. And he's like, Shh, you know, however he talks. Yeah, man. He goes, listen, teach me how to do the moonwalk. And so Jose Feliciano's sitting there blind and Michael Jackson teaching him how to do the moonwalk. So I gotta ask, do you guys have a weird Michael Jackson story at all anywhere in there? I, I do. Um, <sighs> okay, so Jerry and I had this friend that was... Uh, he was like a he did he booked shows like a booking agent for groups and up and down the strip, right? Yeah. But his wife was Madonna's personal assistant. Holy okay? shit! Okay. And we were all together connected when when Michael Jackson passed, right? <sighs> so so his wife came home. I guess she was with Madonna. When they saw it come on TV, that Michael Jackson passed away, right? right? And then Madonna just came out the closet with her personal Michael Jackson story to the assistant and the assistant only, right? But of course, she came home and told her fucking husband and her fucking husband. I mean, it's a Michael Jackson. And, and then her husband tells me and Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> but don't tell nobody else. Right, right. So it's just us. So, so, it's, so. That's one does. Um. So Madonna was like, you know what? She 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 was watching the, the Michael Jackson had been killed, and she was like, kind of bombed out and just and zoning out, and she just, without even looking at the system, she starts talking. She's like, you know what? I wanted to fuck Michael one time, like I really wanted to fuck Michael Jackson, so I invited him to one of my fucking shows in New York, I think it was, and um, Michael was fairly kind of young still, right? I guess when Madonna was first hitting. He showed up with yeah. the man- <laughs> he showed up with Emmanuel no, Lewis. No, no. Okay, so she says, "Fuck it, I'm gonna invite him up to my suite." You know what I mean? And you know, so she says, "Okay, I invited him up to." The- she- Madonna's telling the assistant that she goes, "I invited him up to the suite," and she says, um, "And I hear the door, like the doorbells ring. It's him. I know it's him." So she says, "I get up on the piano, and I open my legs." And I have no panties on and my fucking pussy staring right at him. Right. That's you know, I'm like, like, when he comes in, anybody would know that's just fucking on. You know right, I mean? let's yeah. go. Michael Jackson walked in, saw the pussy and saw her, panicked and fucking ran out and disappeared. She said the very next day, she gets a call on her machine saying, hey, it's me, it's Michael. <laughs> Thanks for inviting me. I had a good time. that another. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Why did you show me that kryptonite? Why did you show me that scary kryptonite? I'm going to run away from the pussy. I never go towards the pussy. <laughs> right, right. He got some holy water, started splashing his oh, face. Oh, man. Oh, that's the best story. Yeah. That, see, now, honestly, I felt like 
you know, and listen, you, we should never talk ill of the dead, but I feel like that might have been a more appropriate eulogy, right, for when he passed, to have women go up to him and be like, well, I showed him my pussy, and he ran in the opposite direction. Yeah, Madonna. I mean, know. that's the pussy of all pussies. Right, at that time, like yeah. Like a virgin. Yeah. Right, now I don't know what's going on with her, dude. Have you seen any of her oh, latest? I can't even tell. I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, listen, man. Time, all right, listen. Foundation Media. Foundation Media. Right. Fucking man, old school, real ruthless Jerry Heller, brown side. Oh my God. Pablito. Pablito, where can people find out about Foundation Media and find you? Uh, On the gram. Mm -hmm. Uh, Pablito Vasquez dot FMP on the gram. Yeah. And then uh, Foundation Media Partners dot com. Okay. Uh, we're on the gram as well, Foundation Media. Okay. And uh, we currently have the number one movie in the country. Uh, Which is? The Bad Guys. Under under DreamWorks oh, yeah. Universal. Yeah. 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 yeah so, um, Congratulations. Yeah, thank Congratulations. you. We, we, we dropped it last Friday, and uh, we're in the number one slot right now. I so. love nice. it. I love, so, I love so. it. We have a three-picture deal with DreamWorks, and... Uh, There'll be two more coming behind us. Awesome. Nice. Yeah, so. And any artist, any artist you want us to know about? Yeah. Um, not, I mean, we're signing a few that are pretty well known right now that I just kind of can't mention right now. Yes. But um, uh, like I said, you know, you know, on the urban side of our company is very strong. You know what I mean? These, these yeah. guys, you know, they, they, just, they signed and discovered Kanye when he was wearing a pink polo shirt. Shit, you know what I mean? And right. and in in any chance that there's going to be a one man show called Pablito, where you come on and you tell all of these great fucking hairband oh, stories, man. Yeah. if it ain't with all you guys, it's yeah, yeah. It's happen, that's exclusive content yeah. only yeah. at the Hard Luck Show, you guys. Right. Exactly. I'm seeing an animated yeah. feature, and I'm seeing like a, a, a series of Pablito, Honestly, Ethan. I mean, I'm gonna be honest with you. Go ahead. I mean, nothing for nothing. Yeah, we've talked about that. We've talked about a series behind. Just my upbringing in the yeah. in the mortuary business. Oh my God, wow. bro! You had to come in and talk cause, about cause, that because my family owns a chain of mortuaries. I fucking damn it. dog. And then my pops did optopsies at the Alley County Corner for twenty years. Ah, Man, that's gotta, gotta be. Get in there, dog. That's yeah. gotta be. Now listen, yeah. I'm not gonna say LA, but I gotta say a coroner's job's gotta be probably one of the most misunderstood and important jobs in the fucking you guys gotta let me just sneak in this one fuck do it turn that down you son of a bitch we've got royalty here there's a matter with you he's a genius so so my relative is a pretty prominent uh mortuary owner and 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 every christmas you know they have christmas parties and and they invite all the like people like the head pathologists from the corners or or the people that take care of you at the health department and push your death certificates through. You know, it's all the people look out for you throughout the year, right? Sure. So there was this one pathologist there. And towards the end of the parties, when all the loadies are still there, like my pops and the pathologists and a couple of the owners of the mortuary, everybody's there just getting fucking crocked, right? Yeah. So the guy at the end, he was a pathologist, been there forever. He, and he was drunk. You know, when people get drunk, they say shit, you know what right. I mean? That's what so he's like, look, guys. I know we're all my friends right here. Yeah. He says, I'll be in Idaho by next week. I'm fucking retired. I did 34 years at the Alec County Corner. I'm fucking done. He says, but I got this one story I want to fucking tell you guys. I'm dying to tell you guys. I haven't told nobody. He says, he says um, I was the head pathologist when Marilyn Monroe came in the corner's office. You know what I mean? And he said that uh, uh, 
you know, he did a, he did her autopsy, you know what I mean? And then, and then he proceeded to say how he has one of her, he plucked one of her pubic hairs. Of course. <laughs> of course. Of course he did. As one does. As Man, one does. bro. Man. He put it in a. In a little bag. Yes. And he's had it tucked wherever he's had it tucked ever since. Right. And did it? It did it have any of JFK's uh, DNA on it? No, <laughs> but just to—I mean, we were all just, but all our drop jaws were Dude, on the yeah. fucking floor. Of course, but you yeah. know what? I gotta ask you this then, since we're right here. Does anybody know what happened to JFK's brain? Do you know? Nah, man. I mean, you know, when it comes to shit like that, you know, the Secret Service will not. Even though he's dead and he's at the coroner's office, there's still Secret Service and they're watching and seeing and yeah. making sure this and that and other. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so he's never really left alone. You know? Now, one last thing. That's since we're right here, and then I know we, we're all busy men. But let me ask you this, uh, dude. First of all, please, I invite you to come back and let's just talk no, mortuary sure. business. Oh no, no. I, I love that. I, I, I had a I had a relative that was in the mortuary business. Okay. Uh, the whole thing, I asked him, he said sometimes the bodies would sit up at night or whatever, gases and everything, freak them out. I mean, sometimes bodies are just, uh, one time uh, a body, you know, my dad was about to slice open this guy and the guy started, mm, you know what I mean? But he was, see, he was, see, when you're under doctor's care, yeah, a doctor would just write the death certificate off and send it to a mortuary. Right. But if you're not under doctor's care, Everybody gets sent to the alley kind of corner. They chop your ass up. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So, evidently, it was an Asian guy, and he was under doctor's care. They said he had a heart attack. They signed him to get him to send him to the mortuary. But he didn't have a heart attack. He went to a coma. So, so but, <laughs> yeah, shit. that Saki will fuck what? you up. So, That's true. So, that Saki so can really they, fuck you up. Well, they pull him off the fridge, and they put him on a fridge, and they sent him to the mortuary. Once he kind of thought out... <laughs> He was like going, mm, shit. So, you know, they called the paramedics, and the paramedics like, get the fuck out of here. You know? <laughs> we're going, to, we're going to pick up a body that you're saying is alive that's actually on the fucking embalming table. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And sure enough, they pulled up, and the dude was alive. You know what I mean? Holy oh, smoke! He fucking died two days later. Oh, oh man! I thought you were gonna say he was gonna go on and star no, on Star no, no. Trek and, and then Sulu. My dad, my dad was a fucking clown. My dad, like, <laughs> next time he came, my dad tell him like, "All right, man, are you gonna, you know, can I fuck it? Yeah, yeah, can yeah. I fuck that fucking I'm not you know? touching this. So yeah, this guy's yeah, fucking yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. 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 Can we do this or what the fuck? You know what I mean? <laughs> Any, now let me ask you a different question: Is it possible for someone to fake their death? Is that possible if? You have the right connections to whoever it is in the county that will say, "Yeah, he died." Is it possible? Anything's possible. Y'all, and especially especially with the with the money. The money so the money. so let's just say, all right, I won't say who. Let's say there's a huge musician, pop star who's got a lot of debts and might be in a lot of trouble. And let's say he hires a doctor to help him sleep at night. And let's say that doctor puts him out. And let's say that he gave him a little bit too much propofol. Or whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah, that milk. Is it possible that a musician like that to avoid and go live in Bahrain and whatever weird fantasy that guy might have could have enough money to fake a death and get out of country? He's too well known. Okay. Unless he's wearing they, a burqa. They'd have to they'd have to completely rearrange his his face, you know what I mean? I mean that guy did a lot of weird stuff, but I, one thing I thought that he did was kind of cool is that people used to 
clown him and think he was weird because he put masks on his kids. Yeah. Okay? But he didn't, people don't realize why he was doing that. So when all my kids are at Disneyland with no mask, people are not going to know who the fuck they are. Right. right. They, could, they could roam free and, right. and have their lives and be normal kids. Right. right. That you makes I mean? sense. I never knew why he did that. You know what I mean? No, but, but that makes about sense. It, I was like, you know what? He might have been the cool. most photographed guy there was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For you know? sure. Yeah. Well, no, so. Slim, where Slim. can people find you? Yeah. At Slim the Producer uh, on all social media. So it's the same handle. Right on. All right. Well, guys, right. Foundation Media, I have learned so much today. Yeah. Um, hey, hey, both of you, thank you for coming down. It was Thanks absolutely for having Thanks for having man, us, man. brother. I got, I got nothing but respect and admiration likewise, for lucky. you, brother. Likewise, man. Thank you, man. Right. You're the real deal, Lucky, man. Thank you, man. Thank you, brother, yeah, for coming likewise. down. And my next car is a Hyundai. Too. Absolutely, <laughs> but you gotta have the the three fifty seven. Don't you worry, Desert Eagle, baby. Don't you worry. He got lots. Of, he got plenty of guns, bro. <laughs> don't you worry about that. Hey. I got about twenty two of them. Right SupermaxHardware.com. www.supermaxhardware.com. Keep yes, an eye sir. out. We're dropping up some summer goods in about a month. Um, Hardluckshow.com. Listen to us on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. We're always dropping new content. Shout out to cookies and right. vibes shout out to burner right. the soul assassin shout out to dj mugs esteban oreo my brother go it's, as soon as you're done listening to this you need to go to showtime yep. and watch cypress hill 30 years insane in the brain produced and directed by esteban oreo it's fabulous yes um and i want to say thank you to the pico youth and family center right uh shout out to um um mr d yeah, Manager Jeff. Manager Jeff for bringing some hair products, some skin products today. Thank you. Right. And uh, shout out to Enzo's Pizzeria for always catering. And what you got, Jumar? I got Ovando Bowen LLP. We wear braids to court. Let the tomahawks fly. Best legal representation money can buy. You want to fucking fight in court? You want an Indian on your side? Just know that. A hope. I want to say, right? Movemental.media, www.movemental.media for all your audio needs. And don't forget, uh, that is LA Crime Mixtape at www.hardluckshow.com. Right, LA Crime Mixtape. Look out for the proto episodes. Audio book, Art of War. Art of War. Art of War, as read by Steve Lucky Luciano and annotated by the Indian. You're going to learn how to win. And then, listen, upcoming shows. I mean... I mean, Mortuary Talk with Pablito. I'm right. looking forward to that, bro. Right. Absolutely. Right. Thank Big you again. Yeah. Big Pick Mike, Scatman. Yo, check it out on Mike Angelo Photography, man. You can check it out on a day. Webpage is coming. Thank you to the Harlock Show and everybody that's here, man. Much love, much bad respect. Yeah, that's right. right think on. what it's right. good. If you think you got what it takes, some type of media, foundation media, go look them up and see my boy. Pablito. Right. Like we do about bad this guys? time. Thank you. Bad guys. Uh, Go see Bad Guys at the movie you know, theater. It's already number one. What it's else do you one. need? Go I mean, see Bad Guys. Uh, my partners uh, founded the Housewives of Beverly Hills franchise. Oh, yeah. Uh, Gerard. did movies like uh, uh, Wolves of Wall Street, Life of Pi. Yeah. Yes. There you go. Right on. Foundation Media. So like we do about this time from Santa Monica, hasta la vista from the Hard Luck Show. Right on. Ready a porn ready. Fuck yeah. Did he sound it right? Hey!
Matt King and I'm here with Ed Bueno and we're gonna do the Airmail Show. <laughs> Boom!